This is the Afternoon Shift. I'm Alba Lara. And I'm Nyla Boudou. This is a special hour, the last hour of the afternoon shift. For the last three years, we brought you news and conversations on a wide range of topics that affect Chicagoans' daily lives. We've covered a lot of big stories. Elections, the polar vortex, the passing of major figures in our city, Roger Ebert, Jane Byrne, Cardinal George, the list goes on. But not everything we do is so serious, whether it's stories about food, housing, arts and culture, or sports. We've always also tried to bring an element of fun to your afternoon. So this hour, we're keeping things a little more lighthearted with the regular contributors you've heard on the show over the years. Here to kick things off are Tyler Green and Don Hall, the producers and hosts of WBEZ's arts podcast, General Admission. Gentlemen, welcome to the afternoon thank shift. Thank you, thank you. Thank you both. Now, both of you have been coming on the afternoon shift for about a year. We've had some con- excellent conversations about theater, comic books, comedy. One of my favorite ones recently, uh, Fauzia Mursa, the one-woman show in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. Now that the summer is just getting underway... What are you most looking forward to in the arts world, Don? In the arts world, see, it's, I, I, it makes me sad to say that the thing I'm most excited about are a series of things. This is a great summer for movies. There's a lot of movies. I did not out. think you were going to say I that. I know, I know you didn't, but the, always the, surprising when when you know it's like there are a lot of incredible movies that are coming out, and uh, uh, one that I'm looking forward to right now is Love and Mercy, which is uh, the Brian uh, Wilson thing that 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 vehicle. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to Jurassic. World. I'm looking forward to Spectre. I'm looking forward to all the blow-em-ups. Uh, I like a lot of summer movies. Yeah. And uh, I have to say, I just last Tuesday uh, was proposed to at a storytelling show, and I said yes. Um, and so I want to go back to that storytelling show now every every month this summer. Um, it's called Outspoken, and it's in Boys Town at Sidetrack. And I think uh, David Fink uh, is curating the, the night, and it's just such an interesting, eclectic mix of, of, of genders, of races, of people from all different parts of town getting together to hear the stories of Chicago's queer population. And uh, getting engaged. And getting engaged. I, mean, I was the course. first engagement. Congratulations. Roll that Thank dice. You. It's always possible, you know. But yeah, I want to go back to that. Check it out <laughs> every month. And, you know, you guys have talked about a couple of interesting art exhibits that you have been excited about. Can you tell us about those? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm very excited about this year, uh, this summer. Uh, July 10th, you've got Gallery F's third anniversary exhibition they've they've done you you're familiar with the you are beautiful okay that's a diy the big sign on lakeshore drive that's what you mean the the, massive sign that says you are beautiful as you drive down the south part of like the little stickers and the little stickers Mm -hmm. and the the stencils and all this kind of stuff that is a street art exactly it's a street art phenomenon and so they are bringing them back for the third time this exhibit uh the gallery f is a pretty much specifically a street art uh, gallery and they do some really amazing stuff and they're one of those galleries that you don't really know about because they're not huge sort of a storefront but they're really amazing so I, I recommend everybody check that out. Yeah we like to look at our uh, non-traditional arts sometimes outside of just theater and music and I was really looking for something unique this summer in the visual art world and I found an, there's a photo exhibition happening at the Museum of Contemporary Photography uh, and listeners if you haven't been there you've got to go it's, it's on 600 Michigan Avenue uh, you can hit up a concert in the park maybe dinner movie all in that one area. But this exhibit, North Korean Perspectives, uh, it says that it it, it sort of puts side by side government propaganda with images by independent photojournalists and videographers. And so it's comparing and contrasting the different perceptions of North Korea. Uh, So I'm really excited about that. So those are a couple of art exhibits. What festivals do you think people need to go to this summer? Well, I just moved to um, Edgewater Andersonville uh, yesterday, and um, I think that 
in the past, I have not gone to neighborhood festivals. And I think that's a real shame. I think that Chicagoans who live in their neighborhood should be going to these festivals. Uh, in my case, it's Midsummer Fest, which is next weekend, uh, 12th, 13th, and 14th. You know, all kinds of great bands, Canasta, J.C. Brooks, there's an ABBA tribute band, uh, the Swedish American Choir. I think it's a great time to be a Chicagoan in the summer, uh, you know, and I think Don has another sort Yeah, I'm of- a big fan of the Logan Arts, uh, Logan Square Arts Festival. It uh, used to be the Milwaukee Avenue Arts Festival. It's Logan Square. It's back at the Illinois Centennial Monument Square, and it's three days of stuff. I only have one. Really, if you want to go to that, there's only one really good reason. I just want to give you one band name. Bong Ripper. That's you know if you. It's any, a pretty easy name to remember. This is why Bong we Ripper. We gotta come see gentlemen. that. You really festival. just wanted to say that. I just wanted really to wanted that. to say Bong Ripper. That's it. It's true. Well, you know, um, there's also been a show that we've been talking about, looking forward to, and that's of course the Hypocrites remount of All Our Tragic. You guys oh, got yeah. a chance to see it last summer. Oh, yeah, Melba. we did it. And the director came by, uh, Sean Graney. Tell us about that. Yeah, we we did we did a a, a date night for our our podcast where we actually did the twelve hours and recorded in, interstitially as they would give us breaks we would go out and talk to the audience and record their responses and eat the food and it's an extraordinary experiment uh and 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 it's it works it works on so many different levels yeah it mirrors the Festival uh, yeah. of Dionysus, so it's the whole day. Uh, they have Mediterranean food at, I think, two points. And by points. the whole day, remind us again how many hours? Uh, I believe 12. it's 12 to 14. Okay. 12? It's okay, 12, 12 hours, cool. actually yeah. nine hours of actual plays. Right. But there's a bar. Um, there's Mediterranean food, which there is awesome. There are pillows. There are pillows. Mm-hmm. You can sit on the floor. You can change your perspective. A particular highlight for me was, and we actually captured this on audio on our show, uh, We uh, when Oedipus gets his eyes gouged out, uh, there was blood, right? So the blood pack kind of activated the wrong way mm-hmm. and splurted all over the front row. And so we went immediately at intermission to the audience to member to that people. had blood all over her. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a really cool day. Um, cathartic in the truest sense of that word. Yeah. Well, we thought we would end this uh, segment with some of our favorite arts and culture guests from over the years. Thank you to Tyler Green and Don Hall. Thank you. Thank you both. When I was a little kid, my mom was like, what do you want to be, a nurse? And I was like, no. I want to be the, the most, most talented, inappropriate person in Chicago. Most of the actors in this town are not wildly focused on the business. If you're wildly focused on the business, you tend to get out of this town. So, that, so there's that. There is this sense of mission that I think brings everybody together. Maybe it's the artist's curse, you know, but I love work. I love the passion of doing this. It's fun for me to do it. Um, and, and it does pay the bills in, in some ways, which is good, um, you know, but that's the work side of it. I still want to be, as an artist, able to express myself. It's important for me as an artist to have the stuff that I'm doing just for the love, not for the money. I wanted to address something much more global than you could in journalism, and it was a remarkable experience. I, I'm sure far more people read my journalism than saw that play because it's a small theater, but I think I really moved people with that play. But people going to the normal heart know what the normal heart is, and you go for that experience. You go to go through that experience, and that is cathartic and is, and is rewarding and is um, kind of why we get together to do art. More and more as we go on, we realize this is the only comedy troupe we're ever going to have, and it's still working, and we still have a comedy shorthand. So we, uh, it's sad. It sounds like something out of an Eckhart Tolle thing. But we are finding our way to gratitude with each subsequent endeavor, even though we are in aging bodies now. <laughs> 
That last bit there, Kids in the Hall, actors Mark McKinney and Scott Thompson. Before that, we heard Samantha Irby, the Chicago Tribune's Chris Jones, May's artist Matthew Hausler, and journalist John Conroy. We also heard from Marcus Grapey and David Cromer talking about the production of The Normal Hearts, a really impressive group there and such good conversation. This is the Afternoon Shift. I'm Nyla Boodoo. And I'm Melba Lara. The classic Chicago bungalow and the super tall skyscraper, the gut rehab and gleaming new condos. Foreclosures, busts and booms, the hot neighborhoods and the cold. Dennis Rodkin of Crane Chicago Business has talked us through all things real estate here on the Afternoon Shift. Dennis, welcome back. Hi. So for a while, um, you know, we lost you there. You moved to California to Moonlight as an operator of a, a plant nursery, and you came back a few months ago. You know, I'm not the only one in Chicago who was thrilled, of course. Oh, thank now you. you're doing some different type of moonlighting this summer on uh, Saturday mornings. Tell us about that. Well, uh, I'm starting tomorrow morning. I'm leading walking tours of the loop where we look at the sexual history of Chicago. It's I've been covering real estate for a long time, right? This is a different kind of real estate, but it's telling stories. Um, we're going to start, the easiest place to start is in front of the Art Institute, which is where Hugh Hefner first saw a fully naked lady in 1946. And then we walk through the loop and the South Loop, and I've got stories of some crazies, but also people who, it's mostly about people who pushed boundaries ahead. Hugh Hefner is an example of people who pushed boundaries ahead. Um, a lot of people think of New York and San Francisco as the sort of sexually adventurous cities, but we've had some really important things happen here. I want to. Say, I feel like we have to start off by saying, you on your website, Dennis. Uh, this, you say this tour isn't clean fun. You say it um, in all caps. You say not dirty with an yeah. exclamation yeah. point. So I have to ask: Is this something that, for example, I could take my mom to on your tour? And I should say, my mother is very Presbyterian. Uh, I think you could. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I haven't met your mom, Nyla, but I, I would. I did say on the website, nobody under 18, just because I don't want to, I just don't want to sure. offend anybody. But um, we'll use words that describe body parts, but it's not going to be about making, you know, jokes. I, I mean, I'll, I'll make some jokes, but they won't be titillating. Um, it's, it's really telling. I mean, some of these stories are funny. Some of these people had really crazy lives, but it really is about boundary breakers, about innovators and pioneers. So I don't expect to, I mean, I'll, as I said, I'll be using lots of words, but not in a in a way to make you blush. You know, and talk about boundary breakers. Hugh Hefner comes to mind when people think of, you know, people in Chicago. He's a Chicago native. So was it something about this city that led him to found Playboy, you think? Well, you know, he has said so. He has said that it, this, was a, this was a city of innovation and of entrepreneurialism. And a lot of that comes into what I'm doing, this tour, because we've, always, we've been a pretty open place. We were, you forget, we were the Wild West in the 1830s, 1850s, around in there. We were the, the, the edge. And then as we become this fast-growing center of America, everybody's passing through on the rail lines. Right. So if I've got a wacky idea, I may end up in Chicago or pass it to somebody in Chicago. And um, yeah, I think Chicago really has been a place. You know, you think of us as these buttoned up Midwesterners. But in a lot of times, the buttoned up people are the ones who are the, <laughs> you know, the craziest. Dennis, as what you're saying, you all of these different characters. Uh, we just talked about Hugh Hefner. Who are some of your favorites? My absolute favorite is Nicholas or Nikolai Duralon. Um, worked for the Russian consulate, worked for the, uh, was the personal secretary of the Russian consul in Chicago. In 1906, had to move to, Fe a man, had two wives, had married two wives sequentially. Here? Here right? D not, not at the same time. Oh, okay. Two different wives. <laughs> Divorced one because he had, pro he had a showgirl problem, basically. Um, married a showgirl. 
ends up having to move to Phoenix because he's got tuberculosis. And on his deathbed, the doctors discover he's a woman wearing a prosthetic penis and has been for years. Both of his wives, the ex-wife and the current wife, both say, no, that's impossible. He was a man. And it, it actually took some medical work to determine that the one who died was the, the woman who died was the man who was identified that way. How did you find out all of these stories? How did you come up with this tour? You know, I have to say these things come to me. I've been co- <laughs> I'm sorry. I've been covering covering history and real, real estate? estate architecture and this the stories. This is just a file on. that you just kept. Yeah, Every reporter just, has a file of kind yeah. of I'm going to get to this one day. And once the file gets big enough, it's sort of overflowing and you think I have to do something with this. And there are so many of these stories. You know, I'm limiting it to a walking tour of the loop. But you could do a bus tour from the Leather Museum in Rogers Park all the way down to Hyde Park High School because it's right behind Hyde Park High School where Hugh Hefner's apartment was when he laid out his first issue of the magazine. And everywhere in between, from the Leather Museum at about 6,500 to Hyde Park High School, you could be telling stories the entire time. But I'm focusing just on the loop. That'll be the next step for you, Yeah, exactly, when I I get a bus. (laughs) I wanted to ask you before you left, you also tell the story of big politically connected brothels here in town. What era are we talking about then? Uh, well, the early part of the 1900s, that we were filled with brothels from the day we started being settled. There was a huge one from 1858 to 1868 called Under the Willow um, over on the, in the west side of the loop where there's a garden now across from Harris Bank. Um, and they had uh, signs on the windows that said, why not? Which is kind of interesting. But um, the politically connected ones would be in the early part of the, of the 20th century, the early part of the 1900s. The Everly Club, many people have heard about, was one of the most famous brothels in all of America and had people like, these aren't politicians, but Edgar Lee Masters, um, uh, Theodore Dreiser, Marshall Field Jr. as sort of known customers. Uh, The sisters who ran the Everly Club actually interviewed all over the country to find the 30 best prostitutes in America. I mean, that's a little bit of an exaggeration. They didn't use that term, but they interviewed (laughs) prostitutes. If it was modern day, there would be a list. Yeah, exactly. There'd be a list. But they actually went out all over the country to find the women they would uh, employ in this this beautiful, well-appointed building. And it it was one of those where, you know, politicians basically turned their turned a blind eye to it. And Dennis, before uh, I let you go and we get away from the the walking <laughs> tour, I did want to ask you, there was a really fascinating story today in the paper about Chinese uh, parents that are coming to Chicago and buying condos for their children who are here to study at our universities. Is that really a trend? It actually really is happening. I, of course, didn't write that story, but several years ago, I think three to four years ago, uh, I first came across this when a couple bought a house in Glencoe, a multi-million dollar house in Glencoe, and I started asking questions. It turned out they were using it just as a second home here while their two they were Chinese, their two children were going to the U of I, one at UIC and one downstate. Um, and since then, I've heard stories. We don't have a very large population of foreign buyers. When the, There's a new report coming out very soon from the National Association of Realtors, the annual report. We're always way down on the list. We're below cities like Atlanta for the number of uh, uh, international buyers we have. But we do have some, and apparently some of them are Chinese parents buying for their kids. And they're willing to risk maybe losing money on real estate to make sure their kids have good, affordable places to live? Is that the idea? Well, I think real estate in this country is probably a better investment right now than with what's going on in China. I mean, you know, they're, they look like they're on the edge of a recession 
we look like we're coming out of one. I think if I were if I were a Chinese person with a couple million bucks to drop on a big condo, I might do it in Chicago. Dennis, it's always great to talk to you. Thanks. Dennis Rotkin, of course, has joined us many times here on the afternoon shift. You know, I always wanted to have a restaurant. And I wanted to own a restaurant that was through the eyes of a pastry chef, which is unusual because there aren't many. And I really never thought that the food was going to be so highlighted. Um, But somewhere throughout the years of the restaurant, the food has really become like a staple at my restaurant. That's good. Um, I guess then I wouldn't have called my restaurant Hot Chocolate. So we're building a toolbox for them to book their restaurants and not just with prepaid tickets like we do at Next in Alinea, but also with a small deposit or even a price of zero, which is essentially an ordinary reservation. When you're making a curry, curry to us means gravy, not not the spice. You want to grind down your ginger garlic. It just saves a ton of time. So I always talk a lot about methods. So prep all your stuff ahead of time. Nyla, do you do this? Um, I'm sure you're doing a lot of cooking. Mise en place, yeah. (laughs) Mise en place ahead of time. Do it on the weekends. You know, grind that ginger garlic and the onions on the side. Yeah, I spend a lot of time making elaborate curries after the show. (laughs) (laughs) I was a young cook, and I was making dinner for my bride, and I was making... Who is to your left, Yes, of course. I'm sorry to my wife, Karen. And... um, I was making some polenta. I'm like, well, what do I like? I like goat cheese, and I have goat cheese in the refrigerator, so I threw in some goat cheese. I'm like, well, kind of need some color. And well, I like cilantro, you know, and I, that sounds good. I put cilantro in it, and I served it to Karen, and she went, this is terrible. And I tasted it. I'm like, you're absolutely right. We threw it out. We made pizza. So there's two major roads, I guess, in the world of cocktails, and I brought both of them because it is Friday, and we're allowed to have cocktails on Friday, right? Yes. It's almost, it's almost so normally we have them at 4.05, but it's okay. We can start now. You're listening to the Afternoon Shift on WBEZ. I'm Nyla Voodoo. And I'm Melba Lara. Those are some snippets from some of our favorite food and drink-related conversations we've had on the afternoon shift. You just heard from Mindy Siegel of Hot Chocolate, Nick Akonis of Alinea and Talk, Ticketing, Anupi Sigla of Indian is Apple Pie, Andrew Dornenberg of The Flavor Bible, and Charles Jolie of The Aviary. Many of those conversations were produced by our food contributor, Louisa Chu, who is in studio with us now. Louisa, welcome to the afternoon shift. Thank you, Nyla. Let's start by asking you, what are some of the notable food and drink trends you see for the summer? Well, speaking of Nick and Grant of Alinea and Next and Aviary, they've got another restaurant opening. Like, those guys aren't busy enough, right? They've got Royster, which they kind of promised to Did be... Did you say Royster? Royster. Like our, an oyster with an R in front of it. Uh, actually, O-I. R-O-I-S-T-E-R. So kind of an obscure, uh, their word for, like, basically, like, a throwdown, a shindig. It's going to be their more casual place that they're opening. And it's going to be in that space that held Ng that's right over... Over in that little uh, uh, next and aviary corner, uh, Ville. So that's going to be the one big opening that's coming up for the summer. And then also Stephanie Izard's Duck Duck Goose, which I really love because it's going to be not only Chinese Chinese food, but also possibly some Chinese American style food. And I'm a big fan. I think you know of the whole chop suey culture. Also. 
Dead Rabbit of New York City. Speaking of drink, a That's bar. An interesting name. Yep. Oh, for mm-hmm. a bar, not a restaurant. Right, exactly. That makes sense. You go, yeah. Although, you know, what's so, so bad about that? But a place they're opening here in Chicago called Green River, one word, and it's going to be an Irish theme bar. So those are kind of like the top three for the summer. Which one kind of, of the big biggest deal. ones to sort of kick off the summer was the new Chicago Athletic Association Hotel last week. Yeah. Wasn't quite what you expected? No. Why? Because I have read, and this is one of those, be careful what you read uh, and hear. I had read, and I think I actually said myself, that uh, Land and Sea, which has Longman and Eagle mm-hmm. and Logan Square, was going to be doing all the food and drink. Oh, contraire. Actually, they're only one of really basically three entities, actually four, they are going to be doing food and drink. So starting on the ground floor, Shake Shack's open over there mm-hmm. now. Vos Chalk is going to be open later on. And then you move up to the second floor. That's Land and Sea mm-hmm. World. So they have got That's that. The- Cherry Circle Room. Exact. Well, Cherry Circle Room is their fancier restaurant way in the back, which used to be their dining hall. And then also when you move all the way to... You- before you even get there in the front is the game room and then also another bar and then they're going to have a really fancy bar which is not open yet called Milk Bar and that's going to have everything I heard from pre-prohibition era Cuban rum for $200 kind of cocktail drinks yeah and then you get up to the top level and that is Cindy's which is named after Cindy Pritzker, and she is uh, the mom of uh, the Pritzker family that opened the, uh, basically redid that whole place. So it's actually stunning. But Nyla, you had a chance to visit the Cherry Circle room. I did. I went there this past weekend, and I have to say it's a beautiful space. I loved uh, going in. I think the whole hotel space that I saw, because of course I got lost, so I ended up wandering around. For quite some time, we were wandering around (laughs) trying to find the Cherry Circle room. That would be one note. It's not easy. Uh, But it's such a gorgeous space, and I love the game room, and I just think it's such a thoughtful job they've done, especially in the back, keeping the original bar. I think it's a beautiful space and much needed in that part of town on Michigan Out. That's my comments on the yeah. Cherry Circle Room. You know, um, one of the things I was that you and I have talked about quite a bit, Louisa, is the ramen scene in yes. Chicago. We've got that's been blowing up lately. For sure. For sure. So that's actually one of the trends that's really been successful in Chicago. And so, you know, kind of like the more casual ramen, everything from you've got uh, the more casual ramens in Wicker Park to the really like expensive like $20 bowls. One of the other big trends is coming up, actually, surprisingly, is going to probably be Filipino food. Oh, really and, interesting. Yeah. Louisa, so, really quickly, yeah. you're going to be taking a hiatus from producing food content from WBEs this summer. What are you going to be doing? Two things. I am going to Alaska, to the front lines of food. I'm going to be actually going to Bristol Bay, and I'm going to be seeing um, the sockeye salmon harvest in Bristol Bay. And, the, you know, I'm really getting a chance to really see what's happening, some of the only wild food, as well as at the end of the summer, I am going to the Champagne Harvest in Champagne, France. Wow. WBEZ food contributor, contributor Louisa Chu. Thanks for being with us, Louisa. Thanks, Nyla. Thanks for listening to the Afternoon Shift on WBEZ. I'm Melba Lara. And I'm Nyla Boudou. Today, there are new allegations against former U.S. House Speaker and Illinois Congressman Dennis Hastert. He's been indicted for allegedly agreeing to pay $3.5 million to an unnamed individual to stay quiet about prior misconduct. Now, a Montana woman says the FBI interviewed her last month about sexual contact between her brother and Hastert when her brother was a student and Hastert was a wrestling coach in Yorkville. WBEZ's state politics reporter has been talking to residents there today about how the town has handled those allegations. He joins us now live from Yorkville. Tony, welcome to the Afternoon Shift. Hi, Nyla. So I imagine the town's been shaken by all of these allegations. 
Yeah, you, you know it. It has been. It's really. In the, I mean, in the political report, in the political world, as I'm the reporter, you know, the political reporter, the Hastert and, and Yorkville were like synonymous. Um, it's it's known that Hastert was always kind of the the quiet politician. He was the clean cut guy. He was a former wrestling coach, and you know, it's it's this Yorkville is this quiet town that's. Um, it's, it is getting a little louder. It's been growing big time. This is a very, uh, booming area and has been for several years now in the country. It's one of the fastest growing areas in the country. Um, but, and so, you know, it's, but there's no, there's no town square here. It's just kind of, there's residents, uh, the, the residential homes, and then there's kind of the big box stores. So like the neighborhoods have these short driveways where everyone's kind of just chummy with each other or going out for walks. And then, and then down the street is this, the, the big parking lots with the big box stores and kind of the big news that I've learned today is that the state route 47 is about to be four lanes from two. And so this has been a construction project that's been going on for a long time. So this is, I mean, but the, the point is that, that this is all related because this is, this is where Hastert is synonymous with. And so, you know, I, I wanted to kind of come out here and just see exactly what um, this all means to, to the people who have really been supportive of him for, for decades as he's been in, uh, in office. He's, his name's very well known with, with Yorkville. Tony, uh, lots of other journalists out there? There are a lot of other journalists out here, actually. Um, I, I've, I've run into um, an AP reporter at the Starbucks here. I, I've seen the, the CBS2 truck driving around. And, and actually, I was talking to uh, JoLynn Sedgwick, um, who I, I stopped by her house. She was having a garage sale. And um, she said that that's actually one of the things that's the biggest difference since this whole allegations has come out is that just that there's reporters all over the town here. And so, you know, I was asking her, like, you know, are you surprised by this, these allegations? You know, is this, does this come as a big shock? And she said it's a little bit more than, than being surprised. She said that she's really, it's just kind of disheartening and disappointment. And I have a little bit of tape here. Here's, here's one of the things that she said. I think for me, the thought that it could be true is a bummer. It's not what you want to think of somebody. You also think about how long ago it was. Does that have any relevancy or not? You know, is it a, I don't want to say an error in judgment because I think it's bigger than that, but um, it's not the way you want to see someone that you saw in a different light before this. I imagine, Tony, that's a pretty common opinion that you're hearing from people. It is. It is. And and she actually, you know, I kind of was talking, I was interested in just sort of this relationship between Yorkville and Haster because he's such a big, he was such a big political force. Here. Right. And I imagine people are worried, is he giving the town a bad name? Now, this is going to be synonymous with his, the allegations around him. Right. And I asked uh, Sedgwick that, that very question um, at, her, at her garage sale. And, and here's what she had to say about that. It's definitely going to be a little bit of a scar or a stain compared to what it was you know it used to be oh our speaker of the house is from yorkville we're so proud of that and well not as much anymore so tony how about the political side of things are there baby people there who remember his time as a speaker and who liked his politics and are now questioning um this there, there definitely are, and it's it's people who who supported him i mean who who really had had it was a little bit beyond sort of the the normal politician, you know, support of a, a support of a politician. Um, I met uh, John Tinsley eating lunch at a park here in Yorkville, and um, you know he's 
here's what he had to say. He had a little bit to say about the changing demographics of the area because this is such a growing population. The politics of the area is changing a little bit. So here's what John Tinsley had to say. I know he's not the first person to have some allegation brought out about things that has happened with him, but obviously it's, it, it is devastating, I think, for a lot of people, you know, because he had support for many years, many years. And, and I, I just add that it was a big kind of shock in the political world when Hastert ended up resigning and his seat ended up going to a Democrat. This was several years ago now. And, you know, Tinsley was kind of getting at that about how this whole area is changing demographically and politically since Hastert's left. But really, every, the support came for Hastert at the time. You know, it wasn't just a voting for a Republican. It was for him. So the fact that these allegations are going, he's, I heard a lot of... Let's let all the facts come out. Let's see how this plays out in, in court. But the fact of the matter is he's being F investigated by the FBI. This is something both Tinsley and, and Cedric says. That he's being investigated by the FBI, and the FBI is not known for really wasting their time that right. much. So it's not looking good. State Politics reporter Tony Arnold, live from Yorksville. Thanks for being with us, Tony. All right. Thanks, Diane. You're listening to the Afternoon Shift. I'm Nyla Boodoo. And I'm Melba Lara. We have WBEZ sports contributor Cheryl Ray Stout on the line from Tampa. But before we get a preview of Saturday's matchup against the Blackhawks versus the Lightning and talk other sports news, here are a few sports highlights from the Afternoon Shift. It's a different pace in the, in the playoffs, and it's for sure way more physical in the playoffs. And you're going to crack someone's wrist or finger, even if it was friends, you know, on the other teams. You know, who cares? It was, you know survival of the fittest and that's just the mentality that you know we had you know when I was four years old I started playing basketball and my dream was to be a professional basketball player and who would have thought that that actually was going to come true I just want to be known as a winner and someone who makes everyone around them better on the court and even off the court it's a Taylor Swift you just tweeted today you tweeted today that you're a big fan of a new yeah. Taylor Swift song I and it's called how did you know that? The new song, right? My, my well, because the new song. Well, I've got Mike Tyson. I've got one of the world's greatest producers here in Eileen Hiking and why She goes, hey, Mike Tyson likes this song by Taylor Swift. My signature, I would say, is uh, my windmill dunk. You know, uh, I don't know how much fun it is because I don't think I make uh, a smiley face well, while I'm doing it's, it. It's vicious. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and that's kind of how I got my, my nickname. You know, Moose is an angry Animal known oh, for so do you look temper. angry when you're doing it? <laughs> oh, I'm I'm an angry dunker. Oh yeah, you best believe the moose but gets the fans, loose. The kids love to see him jump, though. So you could easily jump over me because I'm five one and five five one and three quarters. Three quarters. Oh. I love the three quarters. I, I, I might be able to actually glide <laughs> over you. You could just glide over me. All right, we got to do that after the show. We probably shouldn't do that now. <laughs> I do always say the three-quarters smell, but it's important. <laughs> that was from my conversation with Scooter Christensen and Moose Weeks of the Harlem Globetrotters. Rick Kogan and Mike Tyson before that. Chicago Sky starting forward Elena Del Don in there. And we started off with the Red Wings, Blackhawks legend, NHL Hall of Famer Chris Chelios. But the most important sports voice that you hear on our show is Cheryl Ray Stout. Cheryl, we are uh, ending the afternoon shift on a high note, actually, with some momentum here. Because at 6.15 tomorrow night, the puck's going to drop for Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Finals against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, you're there. What are the teams doing in the 72 hours between Game 1 and Game 2? They had a light workout today, and they're very comfortable, very confident. The question to Andrew Shaw was, 
did you or did you not fight Victor Redman? He wouldn't say. I was going to ask you, he's using Victor Redman as a chew toy. What happened there? <laughs> well, he actually, we, the player said he bit his torso. And I'm like, wow, he must have been hungry. But uh, Andrew Shaw was protecting Patrick Kane because he's the star. And Kane's the star, Shaw's the watchdog. So that's the way that goes. Brian Bicko said he had concussion-like symptoms. But Joe Quinville said he did it, so who knows? Cheryl, how often does biting happen in hockey? I mean, this happens occasionally in other. I feel like I, you don't hear about this very often. No, I was. I, I don't hear about it a lot <laughs> either. Okay. I, I was kind of surprised. I'm going to go well, but and to get through a uniform, I mean, how how can you do that? I guess you're really strong. <laughs> <laughs> and Cheryl. You know, on the Tampa Bay Lightning, they've actually won a rather lost game one a couple of other times before they went on to defeat opponents in game two. So are yeah. the Blackhawks a little overconfident that they're going to win tonight, or are they no, being realistic? Overconf- no, no, they, you're right. You have to bring that up because this is a resilient Tampa Bay team. They have to feel good because they've come back before, but they've not played a team like the Blackhawks. The Blackhawks are a veteran team. And the other thing that's helped them, ladies, is the fact that the Blackhawks have more days off in between these games than they did the last round. And they've needed it because they play so few defensemen on the ice. Well, Cheryl, it's always been great to talk to you on the afternoon shift. You brought us so many great sports stories. And uh, we look forward to keep talking to you on, on morning shift and on All Things Considered. Thanks, Cheryl. And please keep texting me, Nyla. On <laughs> the sports course, I will. <laughs> okay. Well, the weather outside a little on the cool side, and fog is not an uncommon sight in Chicago in June. This is the time of year where it can be 85 and sunny one day and in the 50s the next day. Even colder with the wind chill. And when wacky weather strikes Chicago, we always check in with our go-to meteorologist, Gilbert Savensi from Northern Illinois University. He's seen us through snow, rain, and even a tornado, and fog so thick you could barely see your hand in front of, in front of your face. And he joins us now. Welcome back to the Afternoon Shift. Thanks so much for having me, and a uh, uh, great uh, show so far. I'm loving it. Thanks, Gilbert. We thought we might go a little broader with you today than the typical weather forecast. And I thought maybe um, we could, you could explain why you think Chicago has such weather extremes, how it can happen so quickly, the temperature changes here. Well, I'll tell you what. We're in a part of a country where we have a very unique geography, unique to any other place in the world, actually. We have a moisture source, the Gulf of Mexico, you know, aligning the southern U.S. We have dry air coming in off the Rockies, and we have cool air coming down from Canada. And whenever you mix three air masses like that, things get pretty interesting. And we get storm systems that can bring us 80-degree weather one day, and then snow the next day, and uh, goodness knows what else in between. I mean, even today with the northeast uh, winds off the lake, it's 55 downtown, 64 at O'Hare, but you go out by DeKalb, it's 72. By the time you hit Rochelle and Rockford, it's 77. And so even within our listening area, you can get a dramatic temperature shift uh, just by going 10 miles. 
And Gilbert, you and I have talked on and off about the influence of Lake Michigan on our weather. And we've talked about earlier this year how all the ice on the lake could have meant a a cooler than normal summer for us. What's the prognosis now? Yeah, it's still looking like that. Um, In the middle of the lake, the buoy is still recording a temperature of 39 degrees for the water. So it's still very cool out there. And whenever you get a light breeze during the late spring and summer, um, this time of year, uh, you'll get a lake breeze to set up and, and push that uh, inland uh, a good number of miles. Today, it's going all the way out essentially to Interstate 39. So um, with that in mind, I think that we're going to see quite a few days coming up here where we're going to hear cooler near the lake and cooler not so much by the lake, but also you know at least a few counties inland. So at this point, uh, and based on that, based on uh, the amount of cool air that's still up in Canada, and the fact that we've got quite a bit of rain, everything's green, uh, and that absorbs sunlight, which is a good thing. Um, that still reduces the amount of effective heat that we get where we're standing. So I still think that uh, there's a pretty good shot that this summer will be average or, or cooler than average, and particularly uh, in the immediate lakeshore areas around uh, Cook, Lake County, in Illinois, and uh, Lake and Porter Counties in Indiana. Gilbert, you know, one thing I've always wanted to ask you is, why did you go into meteorology? When I was a kid, at four years old, I went to a picnic with my dad, and it was at an amusement park in northwest Indiana. It's now shuttered. It was called Souser's Kittyland. And I went on a helicopter ride. The temperature was literally 100 degrees. But even though I was just four years old at the time, I knew that if it got hot and humid, we could get storms. I didn't know why, but I just thought we could. Well, the forecast day that day was sunny, but it was so hot. I'm like, you know, I bet you it was, it's going to storm. And sure enough, about mid to late afternoon, the skies opened up, and uh, my dad ran back to me in the car, landed promptly in a mud hole along with me, and uh, we had an interesting silent drive home. <laughs> so you're saying that before you knew the science of it, it was just in your bones. Yeah, and after I got home from that event, I'm like, well, I knew if it's hot and humid, there could be a chance of storms. And we flipped on the television. The forecaster was saying, oh, yeah, we could have a chance of storms this afternoon. Radar's starting to light up. And I'm like, well, I can do better than those guys. And from that day on, I started making my own daily forecast. When you were four? Yeah, taking down uh, temperature readings. Uh, I called the National Weather Service almost every day for a while to get those. Did they I talk got- to you when you called them? I'm sorry, what? Did they talk to you when you called them, the yeah. four-year-old? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was great. So uh, it, it, was, uh, it was pretty uh, pretty interesting, and I stopped calling them when I got my own weather station, and I was able to take the high and low temperature readings uh, you know, on my own. But uh, since that time, I've been hooked on weather. Gilbert, do you kind of, I kind of feel like weather forecasting is a little bit of alchemy along with science, right? I mean, which do you love that mix, or how do you feel about it? Weather is an art. It's a science. It's a gut feeling. It's, uh, you know, a complex weather, or complex mathematical equations, rather. And it's all of that thrown into a blender and turned on high. And the best forecasters that I've seen actually go out and chase thunderstorms, uh, get outside and actually uh, uh, look at the events that they're, and, and the things that they're, they're forecasting. All the things that you do. Thank yes. you so much, Gilbert Savensi. We'll always think of you as our meteorologist here on the Afternoon Shift. We appreciate so much you being with us. Thank you so much, and uh, you guys take care. We'll see you later.
Welcome back to the Afternoon Shift. I'm Melba Lara. And I'm Nyla Boudou. Our goal here on the Afternoon Shift has always been to invite the listeners to participate on Twitter, on Facebook, by calling in. Earlier today, we asked you, what conversations does Chicago need to be having? What's not being talked about enough in our city? Here's what you had to say. I really like that you've mentioned segregation, but I think we need some very practical, compelling ways to explain and to show people why segregation is damaging, not just from the ethical point of view, but from the economic point of view. All the literature, all the research that is out there shows that when a neighborhood is integrated, everyone does better economically. So in as much as people are struggling nowadays and there are businesses that are trying to launch, etc., people need to understand that if they want to succeed economically, uh, they have to be able to let other people into their realm because when, let's say, poor people walk by and they see uh, homes or they see shops or they see things that they like, they can eventually be motivated to participate in some of the activities that make those things possible. People will do better. You'll be economically more successful if you even the playing field. I just want to say that I think uh, I totally agree with the uh, the notion that segregation is, is a big issue. But I think if you frame it in terms of like job creation or, or things that, yeah, like you say, have to do with the flow of capital and have to do with fairness, that it, it makes for a more attractive discussion. That's all. I want to talk about nukes. I want to ask why we don't get more coverage of the fact that we are not a green city when we're surrounded by over 10,000 tons of radioactive waste. We've heard a lot of talk about the pensions and the problems with trying to figure out a way out of them. And I keep hearing, oh, we don't want to go bankrupt, we don't want to be another Detroit. And I really haven't heard any sort of scholarly discussion of, well, why wouldn't we want to enter bankruptcy? Yeah, segregation is a huge issue that we're not really talking about, and not just the racial, but also economic. and. And, and really it comes out, for me, the way I see it, just in perception of people. If people would actually take a look at, um, at, uh, at uh, brown and black areas, they could, uh, part of it is that they could advocate for our problems, but then also promote and push the positives that are here in the, in the city. We also asked you what you love about Chicago. My name is uh, J.P. Paulus from Chatham on the south side of the city of Chicago. My comment is uh, regarding uh, Chicago and what's great about it is that not only can you find somebody that is just like you, um, someone that you can really relate to um, in the city, but also you can find people that are very different from you, yet at the same time still be able to uh, create good, strong community with them as well if you choose to do that. Here are some others. Sia Hillman says, flatness, so bikeable, alleys. New York and Boston, Ick, CTA, grid system, live lit scene, affordable, good improv, seven nights a week. And here's what Joyce Jang loves, Chicago's people, congregated here from Chicago and everywhere. They represent the city well, and all my friends from out of town have great experiences in Chicago for this reason. Nama, what do you love about Chicago? 
You know, I was thinking of the great uh, Nelson Algren quote, yet once you have come to this particular patch, you'll never love another. Like loving a woman with a broken nose, you may well find lovelier lovelies, but never a lovely so real, which I think is a great quote about Chicago. It is. Uh, You know, I love that this is a city where people cherish their ideas, so much so that they believe those ideas can change the city, and it does. Keep coming with those ideas, keep talking about it, and keep listening to each other. And thanks for listening to me. I'm Nyla Boodoo. And I'm Melba Lara. And this conversation won't end. Morning Shift starts it all again on Monday at 9 o'clock, followed by the Takeaway, the new show with John Hockenberry. And at 2 o'clock after here and now, it's the BBC NewsHour Live. That does it for our show today. Thanks to our production team of the Afternoon Shift. Assistance from Andy Shaw, Kevin Isha Walker, Madeline Andre. And direction today from Joy Powers. Mike Gilmore is our engineer. Dan Tucker is our senior producer.